Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I am your host, Johnny McEwen. And I'm very happy to once again be joined by Wilfred Lawrence. Wilf, of course, has written for the Pride of London and Sided, and he co-hosts South Dakota Loves Benucci, the podcast you can listen to on Spotify. Wilf, how you doing? Very good. We'll see how much longer I love Benucci, depending on how this Euros pans out. But yeah, I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> I'm very happy to have you here. And it's just going to be just a joyous podcast today, because we get to talk about the fact that England are in a semi-final. We've uh, seen the quarterfinal matches in the round of 16. I had you on just before the round of 16 matches. We covered uh, you know, all the results and the lead up to the England-Germany game. And the England-Germany game was like basically all of my childhood dreams come true. Uh, it's, the, it's exactly the fixture that we would fear, uh, that old teams would get terrified of. But this team showed its resilience and defended like absolute all hell in that first half and ended up with a really comfortable 2-0 result and got a spot into the quarterfinal, face the Ukraine in the quarterfinal and make it through now to a semifinal. Let's talk about the path there. If I had told you um, before the tournament began that England are going to come out top of their group, we're not going to lose a match, we'll have one draw but no losses, all clean sheets and end up in a semifinal against one of the weaker sides with a potential at a final, what would you have thought and or said? I'd have been pretty suspicious, um, but, and, you know, especially, I think especially the clean sheets, particularly. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's incredible to be here. I would say like this, a semi-final with all the pressure was kind of, I don't want to say par for the course because it's an unbelievable achievement. It's first, you know, semi in 25 years, but I think that this was the kind of expectation, or at least we knew we had the quality to get to a semi-final. I'm not sure I, pr- I would have believed how like the chance we now have like the confidence i now feel i'm not sure i foresaw that i think the the trust in this team the the pleasure i i get from watching them and the kind of the real genuine chance i think we have i would not have expected before the tournament and i think what i may not have expected was i suppose we always kind of had to be you know different from the world cup because we were kind of definitely playing that group um we always kind of had to beat one of the big boys, whereas we didn't. We never did that at the World Cup, and so that there was that kind of tinge to it, where you're like, "Oh, we may not. This this actually may be harder than the World Cup in in this kind of weird way." But no, I think it's the clean sheet clean sheets that stick out to me the most, just because of Harry Maguire's injury at the start of the tournament as well. I think we've been so solid defensively. You know, so few mishaps. Given given what international football can be, the the lack of time you have to prepare your teams, I think we look so defensively solid. So much more so than other teams, actually. Um, I think even Italy um, have looked creaky at times. You know, for all the kind of Chiellini and Bonucci kind of you know chin wagging and, and anthem bellowing, I think <laughs> we, we we still look a bit more calm than them. They're, they're yeah. kind of celebrating everything. Um, and also, I think they've still got they've got a pace issue, but we'll see. They haven't been fully tested, but we're getting into other stuff now. But yeah, no, I, I'm I'm unbelievably happy. Obviously, 
and let's talk a bit about that result from the Germany match. I think it, sh- I think it showed the kind of team that we have the potential of being. We had a solid back five. I love it when we play a back five. I think in international football, it's a really smart managerial decision to play that. We kind of held back a little bit. You know, we wanted to see this team kind of push through and excel, but this wasn't the game that we were going to do it. This is the game where we just felt like we had to hold on. What did you make of the 2-0 Germany result? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I remember, you know, a couple of my friends were kind of like, you know, oh, back five, back three, whatever. Like, you know, oh, you know, no Grealish is like the cliche, obviously, these, right. these days. But like, and I kind of remember kind of like jokingly being like, oh, it's the hungry way, right? You know, but <laughs> like behind that joke was the fact that it's like, why would you play a back four when you've seen what they've done to a Portugal back four, the Germans? And, like, you know, and when you've seen how ineffective Germany has been against a back five exactly. when they played against it the, in the tournament. The difference between the Portugal and the Hungary was like, it's so glaringly obvious. Right. And I think, you know, Gareth got that spot on. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He, he, it was, I think what I loved most about that game, obviously the euphoria of beating Germany is kind of unparalleled in sport as an Englishman. But like the fact that it kind of, how it came to pass was what I would imagine Southgate's ideal, you know, Southgate's nirvana for that game would be nil-nil after 65 minutes, bring on Grealish, try or Foden, whoever, make something happen. And and get, and then it's like 2-0 fairly comfortable by the end. You know, that it doesn't get better than that for that game plan. And so I was so happy for him to get that kind of validation mm-hmm. from that result, not just the result, but the way in which the result was fine. And actually the, the, the ease of the result in the end was just, his tactics, you know, done to perfection, a, a level of perfection we didn't see in the World Cup, I think is, is fair to say. And truthfully, the result should have been 2-1 because Muller just absolutely bottled that chance. I, I thought for certain it was a goal. Like, I, I couldn't I couldn't believe that moment. That's when these this tournament has felt different than others because that's the moment when you get the sinking feeling. That, that should have hit the back of the net. And then we could just, drop that's what we've seen in teams past but this feels something really special about this team and you said it earlier that you know you're surprised by the clean sheets but the expectation going into this tournament was the semi-final when hasn't the expectation for an England team (laughs) been to get to a semi-final even when we've proved nothing in qualifiers but we've had these incredible teams and so the the resolve that this team has shown that they're not just a, a group of superstars because in truth they are but they are actually also a team and the team got to show up as well against the Ukraine and have more of a, a forward press. It was more of attacking uh, tactics from Southgate. So he, he, you know, I think he deserves now no criticism in this path to the semi-final because he did adjust it in the Ukraine, bringing in an additional midfielder. And it certainly worked because we got the goals four nil the result. What did you make of the Ukraine game? Oh, the Ukraine game was just ridiculously, you know, tranquil, wasn't it? It was so, yeah. I'm so unused to that as an England fan, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of, in the second half, you're starting to kind of like chat to your mates, which would never yeah. happen, you know. Um, yeah, no, it was surreal. Um, on that kind of bond, actually, I, I spoke to a, a, a guy at the, the pub after the game. He, in fact, I didn't, he just literally, I was wearing an England shirt and he just came up to me, you know. This was like well <laughs> after the game, it was like at 11 p.m., and, and he just started talking to me about like Southgate and the team and just kind of saying 
how much trust he has in the players because of the bond that's like so clearly between the players and how it's so different than before when you had like, you still had superstars, but they didn't want to be there and, and they, they never really, well, they wanted to be there, but they didn't know how to interact with each other and they didn't want right. to be alongside each other when it really mattered. They didn't have that kind of trench mentality. Um, whereas I think that it's so clear that this team has that and it's so clear that Southgate has, has engendered that. Uh, and been able to keep all players on, you know, the, the amount of time, you know, that the problem with all those eras, all those golden generations was the fact that when push came to shove, the, the press seemed to control the team more than the manager. Right. And so you'd right. constantly be having one superstar too many in like rendering any kind of tactical game plan, you know, useless because no one, there was too many cooks. And now Southgate is unafraid of, you know, putting, keeping Grealish out, keeping Ferdinand out, keeping all, and he just seems to, and yet he keeps them on side. And then he brings Sancho back for the Ukraine game. Who's just been in the wilderness. The whole, you know, that, that's a, another narrative. And he's just able to kind of manage it all in a way that I think is, is so like underratedly difficult. Absolutely. And, and the Ukraine game is the, it's the classic game that we kind of, we'd be very good at losing that game in, in, in years past. We would have, this uh, euphoric result in a round of 16 and then fall in the quarters. I mean, that's happened so many times. And now it's the first semi-final in a Euro since 1996. And we, we're seeing this team that's showing resolve and the ability to win, the ability to score a ton of goals. Like you said, it was a very tranquil watching experience. I've done these silly videos of me watching the football, but I don't remember like a 30-minute a second half of England deep in a tournament of me just being able to smile and breathe. I mean, yeah. it was just, it was it was very easy and the goals just kept coming. It was great to see us kind of score a ton of goals, especially going into a semi where, where goals will be very precious. Mm. Yeah. What do you think of Denmark and the challenge that they're going to face in, you know, stopping us from seeing the uh, a final in a European championship? Yeah, Denmark definitely seems like a different challenge to Ukraine. I think the Ukraine, everyone knew that we were better than Ukraine. Um, and Ukraine may have been the worst team left in the tournament. But as you say, it was because it was England. We all knew that it, it could easily go awry. I think Denmark's definitely a different challenge. Um, they obviously have that groundswell of like emotional backing um, as kind of everyone's second team and what they've been through and all the rest. But they're also a, a great team beyond that and beside that. Um, so I think they're a real chat. I think they're kind of somewhere in between Ukraine and Germany in a way, which is interesting. But I think Germany is a, a team, was a team at kind of the end of a cycle and the start of a new one, clearly with the manager leaving and all the, and like young players not really fitting with the, the old. Um, whereas I think Denmark are a team that have, are kind of in the middle. They're in the right time. They've got all these players kind of peaking. Um, I think, you know, Christensen, obviously, who, who we as Chelsea fans have seen yeah. more of than others, like, he just seems to be a different player than he was six months ago. And I think you saw that at Chelsea when he really came through. I thought he was unbelievable in the Champions League final. And he just mm -hmm. carried that through. He's now playing as a kind of deep-lying register almost in that midfield. Yeah. Um, so I just think they have a spine and, and they'll be a, a real challenge. I do think, again, I think, I don't want to say we should win because Denmark have won the Euros more than we have <laughs> as a nation. <laughs> so I, I don't want to say that, but I think, I definitely trust in this team and I trust that Southgate can can pick the right team for it. I think it will be interesting as to the tactics. I don't know if he'll go back to the back four, get, keep with the back four, sorry, or go back to the back five. I think that'll be an interesting kind of 
interesting to see that will be then when we'll see how Southgate views this this Denmark team and this game you know if he's treating them with the reverence of Germany or if he's trusting his attacking players after scoring four goals I think that seems to me the main kind of crux really Like I said earlier, I've watched in and kind of done these videos of me watching the round of 16 and the quarterfinals, and I've mainly now done it out of superstition because I don't think I can quite do anything else. I was going to say <laughs> you you have to keep doing it now as well. Oh, I'm, I'm 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 doing it for the semi-final, but then I'm actually going to go. I want to try and go somewhere for a, if we're in the final. I'm just going to go and be somewhere because I've got, yeah. got to try and be around other. I just the fact that we could like my my goal is to get to a final. Just mm. the idea of seeing us in a final. And I, you know, uh, the result may have come through, but I posted this, but I, I hope it's Italy that we face. I think that Italy deserve a spot in this final. And I'd be happy with either one of those teams winning ultimately. I, I, of course, you want to go and win it all. And that, that's the dream. But I don't know how to deal with all of this joy. I mean, what, what's your experience been like watching? What, how have you been watching? And, and what's it been like in London with all of this euphoric football joy that we don't know probably how to deal with? Yeah, Lond- I mean, London has been pretty crazy I've, I've been i've mainly been watching it i've been like like toying with going to the pub and then getting a bit too nervous and be like actually i'm gonna stay home <laughs> um yeah, i think obviously and then like the final all of that kind of goes out the window um i'm someone who quite likes the kind of build up and like halftime analysis and you know get the whole yeah. feel of the game which you can't do at a pub um so I've, I've been kind of going down that route but then obviously it's all bets off for the final um, I would say London, it was weird. I think with the Germany, the Germany 5 p.m. kickoff, I watched it with a mate and then we went out to celebrate at a pub. And it was this kind of really weird atmosphere because because of the 5 p.m. kickoff. It was kind of like everyone had either stayed home or gone to a pub like more central. So it was kind of the streets were almost deserted. So you, and I think if it had been an 8 p.m. kickoff, you would have had the more like euphoric, you know, carb horns and everything. Um but no, it is it is starting to get, and you get, and I think after that Germany game was when everyone starts asking you what you're doing for the game. You know, it's like everyone, you know, your mum's sending you messages. You know, it's suddenly everyone's yeah. really in court. You know, like in the World Cup when it was just like the whole nation started watching. I think we really had that after the Germany game. It was like, oh, okay, we can now throw, we can now back this team. They seem good enough, kind of thing. Well, and and do you think the the holdback has been Southgate? Do you think the holdback has been just years of failure? What do you think the reservation is? It's, it's I the, think the it's, reservation is the years of failure. I think, especially for the people who, you know, um, for the people who aren't as invested, it's like, uh, you know, and wouldn't know as much about the tactics of Southgate. Brother. It's more kind of, I think, well, I've been burned by this team before. I'm not going to be invested until, you know, I really think I have to be. Otherwise, I'll miss something very special. And, you know, we've, we've been treated this team now that's gotten to two semifinals in major tournaments. And, I, you know, I think Southgate's been brilliant tactically. But like we talk about, we talk about these generations of hurt, these generations of pain of uh, watching this team and loving this team. And I thought I'd pose an interesting question to you that's, that might have been proven to be a bit hard. I've, I found it quite hard myself. But when I think of all-time England players and my favourite players 
some of them have been unsuccessful. So you could say, in, in a way, the best starting eleven you could put forward could very well be the team that we've had against Germany and against the Ukraine. But I kind of wanted to pose to you, looking back on, on your time as an England fan watching, who are your starting eleven all time, regardless of era? They can all play on the pitch. Who are you picking? Yeah, this was a really tough task. I will, I will start. I, I'll just like add before I give my team that I think it, it was very interesting because obviously we're doing this before the semi-final, and it's kind of. Yeah. I think if we did this like after potentially winning the Euros, the team would have to be a kind of combined sixty-six and twenty twenty-one, right? It's like there's right. almost no debate about that. Right. So I thought it was kind of interesting. You're kind of considering players who you might not think in the scheme and i i also kind of approached it in that way because obviously i don't i didn't think of this as a best 11 right i thought of it as a, yeah. a kind of best Your england. 11. it's my 11 and it's like an england 11 yes. so like i don't think there's much debate over like gerard and lampard being our best midfielders like post 66 like in terms of quality yet neither yeah. are in my team because right. for whatever reason they they just didn't never quite got it for england um and they never had the success. So, so like their 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 kind of images of England are of despair rather than kind of glory. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I'll start my eleven. I went for, I think Gordon Banks in goal seems kind of fairly yeah. evident to me. I don't. Is that who you've got? I've gone for Pickford. Oh, my. I, I think <laughs> I've gone for Pickford. It's this amalgamation of you know results versus. I mean, it was very. Truthfully, it was very close with David Seaman for me. I loved yeah. David Seaman, even within all of his failures. And I, I can close my eyes and picture him stumbling back and his ponytail flipping up with that Brazilian goal. <laughs> but I, I still have fond memories of David Seaman. But I think what he's, what Pickford's proven has been kind of exceptional. And this clean sheet record, I mean, the, this is the best a team's ever done in an international tournament in yeah. years. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, is, it is something to marvel at. That's, that's where I've gone. <laughs> Oh, ne- nearly, that. nearly David Seaman. That's my answer. <laughs> um, how about your? How about your back four? Back I've four. done a four-four-two. What have you? Yeah, done? obviously four-four-two. Yeah, classic. <laughs> I was like, what's the formation be? Uh, four-four-two. You didn't go for a back five then, now. No, <laughs> no. I also I loved that moment in the game. I don't know if you saw this, where where Harry Kane just suddenly mouthed, "It's a four-four-two <laughs> off the ball." <laughs> <laughs> yes, Harry. um so my back four is uh gary neville right back uh bobby moore center back harry Maguire center back and then ashley cole left back yeah little different i've gone ashley cole left back sol campbell Mm -hmm. and harry Maguire in in center back and i think what trippier did in the last world cup deserves him a spot in my starting yeah i think you're probably right actually i I think neville's almost the only player i have on kind of like club reputation pure and pure nostalgia as well pure nostalgia for sure and also i think there's something about trippier playing on the left and walker playing as a right back as well in that era that just kind of confused that position a bit for me so i just i gave it to genev um and then and then this the i think this was the most interesting for me the midfield um and i kind of I kind of, well, I'll I'll tell you. Okay. So I went Raheem Sterling right mid, Bobby Charlton center mid, Gascoigne center mid, and then Jeff Hurst left wing, which is a bit of a cop out because he's a striker, but I I see him rampaging down the left when I think of Jeff Hurst. So I went for that. Um, And then up top, I had Rooney and Lineker. Rooney and Lineker. Wow. That's, yeah, that's awesome. No, that's, that is, that's a really cool starting 11. I've done it in the vein of more like, 
players that I also just loved watching. And yeah. that's what made the midfield quite hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've done a, I've been a bit pinchy. I might have a, a center attacking midfielder that should be a really a striker in Wayne Rooney, but then, I, you know, playing in a midfield kind of position mm-hmm. with Sterling skulls and Beckham. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And, and then, and then up to, it was very, it was very hard for me to not put Teddy Sheringham because I have like a childhood, like I adore Teddy Sheringham and my little football figure of him. But I think, you know, <laughs> Kane and Shearer, as far as goal scoring ability um, yeah. in an England shirt, I think the two of them have, you know, have had such huge moments and it was great to see Harry Kane pull through and have, you know, that, that goal at the end of the, the Germany match with the most, I mean, he's got the most flexible neck in the world. That was the most ridiculous header. Ever. I love that goal. Yeah. It's such love a cane goal, goal, isn't it? Yeah. Such a cane, just making it happen with, with his huge forehead. And then, you know, he gets a couple more in, in the Ukraine game. Yeah. So I had to give it to Kane. There. I just, just think of my kind of, so you got Sterling and Beckham in there. Is that right? Yeah. I was yeah, kind Sterling of on the left, Beckham on the yeah, left. Yeah. 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 That's fair enough. I think I was kind of, choosing between them um mm. and it's like obviously Beckham is just like this iconic player that, like of the level that Sterling hasn't reached but also for kind of on and off the field reasons um but I, I was doing a kind of comparison between the two and I was like wow Sterling already has as many goals as as Beckham did um in like almost half the caps so I think you know wow. Sterling has like 65 caps Beckham played like 115 times and then I think Beckham had around 38 or 39 assists and Sterling was on like 24. Um, And it just kind of calibrated that view. Suddenly Sterling came into view as this player who's reached, you know, back-to-back semifinals in major tournaments and, you know, been our best player at this Euro so far. And I was just like, wow, I'm I'm actually giving the nod to Sterling here. Like I I suddenly, I thought it would be this guy. I was like, okay, I wanted to get someone from this era in. And then it was just suddenly, it was like, oh no, actually that's not even a hot take really. It shouldn't be. Yeah, no, it, it is Raheem Sterling. I think you know that he's he's certainly answered any potential criticism. He's shown his scoring ability and his pace is is next level. I mean, he's just one of those guys that you, when you are facing him, when you, whenever Man City come into town, he's one of the first people that you think of because he's a handful for defenders up the left and and in attack. And uh, you know, I th- I think that he absolutely on my all time my all time England team, he certainly gets a nod. Yeah, it was t- I you know. Uh, Michael Owen's right there on the bench, kind of peeking his head. I have such an affinity for Michael Owen, but he's kind of he is also part of the face of God. We was we are so good, but we're just not quite there, you know. Yeah, it's also tough because uh, and the Owen pick would be an absolute like moments pick over a kind of England right. career pick, right? It, it right. is that Argentina goal that is almost his like England legacy <laughs> that yeah. goal, and yeah. so it's quite hard to pick someone on the basis of kind of. Sure, he had other moments, but that really is the only, the first and almost only thing you think of, of when you think of Owen in an England shirt. Um, is it Shearer over Lineker in the goals scored for England race? No, I think Lineker has more because Li- Rooney has beat more than Shearer. Rooney beat Lineker's record. Right, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think that's right. Um, Joe Cole's also on my on my subs bench. I'm desperate to bring him in. Yeah, I love that. Weirdly desperate to bring in Jamie Vardy as well. He was my, <laughs> like, you know, how everyone's talking about Grealish in this tournament is how I was talking about Vardy in the last. I really wanted to see more of Jamie Vardy. Yeah. Um, Emil Heskey, definite, definite reserve for me. Oh, yeah, for the kind of 5-1 goal alone, really. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely got to have Emil around. Um, 
yeah, the the the, the brothers the brothers Neville would be there on the uh, you know kind of keeping the morale going. And I think Southgate's my manager. I mean, I, in in our lifetime of following England, I mean, like of managers that we've you know actively been fans and watched, I think that he's certainly got the best record. I mean, he's, I mean, Sven Goran Eriksson looks like a dark you know kind of. <laughs> almost like Death Star regime over England. They were so also miserable, and they all didn't know how to talk to one another. Yeah, I, I listened to a really interesting interview with Frank Lampard and Rio Ferdinand sitting there talking to one another, and there was so much focus and so much club allegiance. And I think that um, for all his brilliance, um, Alex Ferguson kind of instilled a, 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 a theory and thought process of in Man United players of. Everyone else doesn't matter. What we are doing here is so important. And we would get these golden generation England teams to show up to these major tournaments. And none of them wanted to talk tactics with one another. None of them wanted to help one another yeah. because they wanted to keep all of their secrets for club football because that's what they, they really cared about as well. And so, of course, they want to do well as England. But as a team, they can't communicate because there were these club allegiances. The Man United guys would hang out, they, you know. Chelsea guys would hang out. Arsenal guys would hang out. Yeah, I was going to say, when you bring Mourinho and Wenger into that as well, yeah. it's like those are three huge personalities who commanded so much at their clubs. You know, they were yeah. kind of, every, they were the czars of their clubs almost. Um, and I think just like those three personalities don't exist in English football anymore. And it, England didn't have a manager able to impart his own personality and his own like wish on that. You know, it was like that combination of, the club, the club managers were so powerful and so strong and so strong in these players' minds, and the English manager was not. It was he was changing, and then you had Capello, and he wanted to do his own thing, and he kind of had no bond with the players. It seems, um, yeah. I think I saw I saw an article the other day, kind of saying um, Southgate is England's second greatest ever manager, and I was like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it's like back to back semi-finals. That that is kind of fair enough. Yeah, and and when you when you know when you put yourself in positions of that, you, it just makes you shift. And and like we said after after the semi final, if we had put this little task, we might have, you know, we we'd make the point very clear. Might just put out that team, yeah. you know, <laughs> that might th- this very well might be all time the best England team that we're being treated to. I know that I'm just loving getting to see this team enjoy some success, be involved in a semi final. Uh, we're definitely getting two matches of football, whether it's a third place match or a spot in the European final. It's certainly going to be exciting. I know you're going to be watching. I'm going to be get back to my superstitious ways, and I'm uh, I'm glad that we were able to chat, but to chat as well now because we did a preview of England Germany that seemed to work out well. We're just doing a preview here today, and hopefully we get some sort of similar result. What do you think? Definitely, yeah. I also, you know, God forbid we'd have to have this chat after crashing out to Denmark. You know, I want to ride the wave of hope rather than you know whatever else. Um, yeah, I was just thinking, I wonder if Jude Bellingham gets in, if he gets a start. You know, why yeah. not? He's going to be, it, based on kind of like potential alone, if he's still mm-hmm. only going to be 26 at the 2030 World Cup, he's got a yeah. long time to cement that legacy after potentially winning the Euros. And Jaden Sancho could be a, a, you know, a big part of this team for yeah. years to come. What, what did you think of Sancho in the Ukraine match? I thought he was phenomenal. Yeah. And all of the calls for Grealish, there, there's a guy who actually got less time than Grealish and really made an impact with it. Yeah, completely. And 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 that was a case, I think, of definitely Southgate playing. You know, there was talk of like, oh, now he gets the United move, now Southgate plays him. But I think it was a purely kind of oppositional thing. 
Um, and a kind of, and I would imagine an attitude thing that maybe Sancho was a bit distracted by the United staff, like not sure where. And then once that's finished, he, he's free to now really push on in training. Um, and I think Southgate was saying he just did enough in training. You know, he did, he did more than enough in training. Um, and I think I thought his impact was so clear. He just brings something different. I think what's great about all these attacking players is that they're all great, but they're all great in their own ways. Um, and Grealish is kind of maverick. Foden is almost like the ideal footballer, um, but but maybe a little bit young. And then Sancho just seems to like have that kind of now from playing in Dortmund combined with like maybe the most skill of any player um, at, at, in England squad. Um, and I just thought he 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 ran the lines really well. I think, sure, he wasn't as good defensively, and I think that's why he hasn't been playing as much. But I think, obviously, in this game, that wasn't needed as much. And so he was really able to be unleashed. Um, and I thought he was combining with kind of um, Mason Mount and, um, and Luke Shaw at times as well, really well. And that's what makes us hard to face and, and, and makes us challenging, especially in a tournament like this, because you've seen uh, in years past... It's like the starting 11's unquestioned. It's always going to be this team. Like, France's team really didn't shift much in their in their win. You know, some of these teams, you just think it's going to be these 11 guys. Tactically, we're hard to plan for because you don't know if you're getting Sancho. You don't mm. know if you're getting Mason Mount. You don't know if you're getting Phil Foden. You don't know if we might be getting Jack Grealish. And they all have their intricacies. And so we make ourselves a really fun team to... Or a challenging team. A fun team to watch, but a challenging team to face because... There are so many electric guys who you have no idea. Like Jude Bellingham might turn up and be the guy that we're all talking about from the semi-final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think we definitely have the best squad of the last four teams. I would say. I mean, maybe Italy. Italy definitely have options, but I I think we have the most. As you say, we have the most players for whom a game plan would have to be drawn up. Like almost individual, you would draw up individual game plans for like all five of our attacking players. Really, you would have yeah. to. Um, and I think that's such a difficult task, as you were saying, for, for another team. It's like, how do you cope with that? Any predictions? What? Who's in the final? I, unlike you, I would not like to face Italy. I'm going to put that out there. I think I think Italy probably will beat Spain, um, but I'm definitely scared of Italy. They they definitely scare me. I think they seem the most complete team aside from us, um, and they have that. That X factor. I think Chiesa is an unbelievable player. Um, I'm terrified, and and their defense is solid. I think gettable at, but definitely clearly solid. Um, I think Spinazzola is a huge loss for them, so that'll be interesting. And I think I don't know about you, but I've never been wholly convinced by Chiro Chiro Immobile. He's he seems a kind of he seems a little erratic for me. I wouldn't love to have him. Um, but yeah, I do think Italy will beat Spain, and I I think. I think we'll beat Denmark. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if we lost. I will say that. Like, I would not Same. be shocked. Um, but I just do. I have that feeling at the moment. I have that feeling. You know, come tomorrow, you know, Wednesday evening, I, I'm, I might be really regretting saying this. But at the moment, I just think we'll be too strong for Denmark. And I think Denmark... I suppose Denmark have less to lose, but I also think Denmark, it is an absolute success for them. It's an unbelievable story. You know, they've banked their unbelievable story, whereas I think we've still got a bit more to write. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to pick England. Very well said. Yeah. I, and I, I completely agree. Wouldn't be surprised if we lost it, but 
you know, wouldn't be shocked, I should say, but I expect us to win. Would love to see us in a final period. And I, I guess we do disagree. I'd, you know, you got you got to beat the best, the best teams. And I think that Italy deserve a final spot. If I was just watching as a fan and England weren't in it, like if I you know, switch us out with Croatia, I'd say I want, you know, I'd love to see Italy, Croatia, because I think that'd be the best football. And you've got to beat the best teams in the tournament. Italy have forged a path through that side of the bracket where they have been. There have been so many questions about Spain. Good for Spain to get as far as they have. Um, you know, the, the result's going to, you know, going to come out soon. We're going to know who's earned their way to a final spot. But I think you've got to beat the best teams and, you know, you should. And, and there's no, like you say, there's no, like, X factor, crazy, terrified of this footballer on the Italian team. They're, they're just a really strong team. I mean, Immobile's not the kind of terrifying old man. He could just go crazy and score three goals. Jorginho's a wonderful controlling midfielder. But there's no, like, huge, huge personality. The, the kind of personalities of the team are Chiellini and Benucci at the back. There's no Balotelli. There's no Perlo. There's no Del Piero. It's a, it's a very strong Italian team. But, you know one that would be a great test and I think deserve a spot in the final. So that's my take. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they definitely deserve, and they have the narrative. You know, I think at the moment, England, Denmark and Italy have the strongest narratives and Spain are this kind of weird drawn together team that have like everyone thought would fail, but you know, part because of draw, part because of some like finding some form, they like find themselves here. Yeah. And I think Italy are a better team and should beat them, but, I would, I like, there's enough drama in getting to in the final alone for me. I don't really need an added Italian kind of spice. <laughs> I would also take a kind of weird Spanish team that has no real kind of story about them. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I hope we can have a chat after the final. I really appreciate you coming on, Will. Thanks, oh, mate. God, yeah, I hope so too. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks again to Wilfred Lawrence for coming on the podcast. You can find him at Wilfred Lawrence on Twitter. And be sure to follow and listen to the South Dakota Loves Benucci podcast. You can find that on Spotify. You can follow me at AABritPod on Instagram and Twitter. For the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network, I am your host, Johnny McEwen. And until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.